0: First Farm in the Valley, Chapter 7, Wolves and Hail After the excitement of the 4th of July, summer seemed calm, until it was time for the harvest. First to ripen was the wheat, and for several days everyone worked in the fields, gathering up the bundles and putting them into shocks. Mother and Mary and Pauline helped too, so Anna and Barney took turns watching Julian and Anton. Anna didn't like being out in the wheat field now that the stalks were all cut down. The stubble left on the field hurt her bare feet when she tried to walk on it. She preferred to stay at the edge under the shade of one of the trees. No sooner was the wheat all neatly shocked than Father said it was time to start on the oats and the barley will be ready in a day or so too. We'll have to hop to get it all done in time. Cirazn told me the threshing rig is coming to the valley next week. Every day they worked steadily from sun up to sundown. Mother stopped long enough to make dinner and supper. Mary and Pauline left the field at four o'clock to feed the pigs and chickens and to feed and milk the cows. Anna left with them, but walked in the opposite direction. She was going all by herself now to get the sheep each evening. The next week, Father and Jacob were gone for the first three days. On Monday, they threshed at Tushner's. On Tuesday, they moved to the Wicca's farm. On Wednesday, the machine was pulled to the Searsan's front yard. Anna could see it through the trees and could hear the loud, rackety noises it made as it separated the grain from the straw. But she did not have time to go over and look at it up close. She was too busy helping Mother with all the baking and cooking that had to be done for the next day. In the evening, the men moved the machine up to their farm. It took six horses to get it up the hill and into the yard next to the barn. The following morning, before the men started threshing, Anna rounded up the sheep and guided them to the path along the wheat field. She knew now which lambs to watch carefully and always caught them and prodded them back into line before they wandered too far away. Where the paths crisscrossed, she met Johnny Olzuski, and together they steered the sheep to the pasture at the back of Jezuski's farm. John Dorawa was just leaving as they arrived. Gotta hurry, he called. We're threshing with you today. Anna hurried home too. By the time she got back, the men were busy stuffing the bundles into the machine and catching the straw and the grain in sacks as it came out the chute. Straw was blowing out the other side and a thick, chaffy dust filled the air. Even though the noise hurt her ears and she could hardly breathe in the thick air, she couldn't stop herself from watching the movement of the men and the horses and the machine. Don't stand there gawping. Come help us, called Pauline. "'I'm coming,' answered Anna. She was really glad to get away from the noise and the choking dust. She helped Pauline line up some long planks on sawhorses. That would be the table where the men would eat. "'Now help me make the benches,' said Pauline. They went to the woodpile, selected three sturdy chunks of wood, and rolled them one by one next to the plank table. After they were properly spaced, one at each end and one in the middle, they put a plank over all three. This should do fine, said Pauline as she sat down on the makeshift bench. Bump, thump. The plank flew off and Pauline landed on her bottom, sitting in the dirt. Anna wanted to ask if she was hurt, but all she could do was laugh. Just laugh. I'll make you try it next, said Pauline as she got up and dusted herself off. She looked closely at the chunks of wood, then took out the one from the end. This is the culprit. It's too short. They rolled it back and selected another that worked much better. Then they made a similar bench for the other side of the table. You sit on it this time, suggested Pauline. Anna first checked to see that the plank rested on all three chunks of wood. Then she sat down daintily at one end where the plank extended a bit over the stump. Whee! Up flew the plank at the other end and like a seesaw, and down she tumbled. You did that on purpose, accused Anna. No, I didn't. Yes, you did. I didn't. "'Girls, stop your quarreling and get busy making the second table. "'One won't be enough for all those men,' "'mother's voice called sternly from the front door. "'They made a second plank table and benches, "'and this time all worked well. "'At noon, the men stopped working "'and washed their hands and faces in a small basin. "'Ha, that feels good,' they said, "'as Anna brought a fresh pitcher of cool water for each one. "'They took seats on both sides of the plank tables,' and began to eat from the platters and the pots of food that Mother and Mary and Pauline brought out. At first, no one spoke. They were all too busy eating. Anna scurried back and forth, filling and refilling the two pitchers, one with milk and the other with cool spring water. Did I see right this morning, Frank? asked one of the men. Was this little girl of yours taking the sheep to the pasture all by herself? Yes, answered Father proudly. She can do it all on her own. "'Well, I'm not sure that's a good idea,' said the man. "'We were over by Wamandi last week. "'One farmer told us his sheep were attacked by a pack of wolves, about ten of them. "'Got away with four sheep.' "'Anna stood stock still. "'Was the man joking?' "'No. He looked very serious.' "'Father was looking serious, too.' "'By Wamandi, you say?' "'Yes, no more than ten miles from here is the crow flies.' "'Who was herding?' Two of his children, a boy and a girl.' "'Did they get hurt?' "'Nah, the wolves didn't go for them. "'They only attacked the sheep.' "'Father was silent a moment. "'Then he looked at the other table "'where Franzicek was eating. "'Hate to spare Franzicek. "'He's so handy in the grain bin, "'but he'll have to go, I guess. "'Barney can't handle the gun yet.' "'Anna looked anxiously at Father. "'Did that mean she wouldn't have to go? "'She didn't want to, "'now that she had heard about the wolves. "'But Father looked at her and said firmly, "'You go along, too, so you can do the chasing.' No harm will come to you as long as you do what Franzicek says. For the rest of the afternoon, Anna tried not to think about the wolves. But the harder she tried, the more she found herself picturing packs of wolves running after her and the sheep. Maybe if I hide when it's time to go, Franzicek will leave without me, she thought. Then she made up her mind to be brave. But I don't care about any old wolves, she said. But inside, she still had a trembly feeling. At mid afternoon, Mr Ozuski brought one wagon load of grain bundles he had the thrush, and Mr Dorowa and John drove up with two loads from their fields. We'd have waited until tomorrow and threshed at Jazuski's, but I don't like the smell of the wind, said Mr Dora. I think we're due for a storm. You think so? asked Father, looking questionately at the northwest. The other men also stared in that direction. There was not a cloud to be seen in the sky. I think it'll hold off a few days yet, said one of them. But by four o'clock, there was a thin, dark line of clouds all along the edge of the northwestern sky. Father stared at it long and hard before he went into the house. When he came out, he was carrying his gun. Here, Frank, should you see a sign of wolves, fire a shot, take the sheep to the nearest farm fast as you can. But don't fire unless you have to, and hurry. I don't like the look of those clouds building up. Anna could see that Franzicek felt proud and grown up from the way he took the gun. He liked to be called Frank, like father. Franzicek is a name for babies, he always protested when mother called him that. Anna always thought of him as Franzicek, too. Somehow, she couldn't call him by any other name, even now, after father had called him Frank. The threshing was almost finished, so Mr. Dorowa hitched up his two wagons and prepared to leave. They were piled high with straw on top, and the straw lay in the sacks of grain. "'I'll drive one for you,' said Mr. Jaszewski. "'Then John can go directly for the sheep.' "'Let's go,' said Franzicek, as he hurried to the path behind the barn. "'Anna and John could hardly keep up with him.' "'Suddenly the wind picked up. "'The faster they walked, the harder the wind came blowing at them. "'At first it blew in their faces, "'but when they turned east down the path toward the Jaszewski's back pasture, "'it blew in their backs.' Now Anna could hardly keep from tumbling over onto her face. She could see that Franzichek had trouble balancing the gun. The wind wanted to tear it out of his hands. It grew darker by the minute. By the time they reached the flock of sheep, the sun was entirely hidden behind the thick, deep blue clouds that tumbled and turned and churned like a giant kettle of boiling indigo dye with lumps of wool in it. The wind grew icy cold and Anna shivered. Quickly, they separated the flock into two. Anna and Franzicek and Johnny Olszewski took their half, and John Dorowa and Paul Jezuski took the other. Anna, go right. Johnny, go left. Keep them close together, Franzicek yelled, but his voice was half swallowed by the wind. The frightened sheep did not want to stay on the path, but pushed towards a sheltered place under some trees. Fortunately, they stayed in a flock. Urgently, Anna, Franzicek, and Johnny pushed and shoved and poked the sheep to keep them moving in the right direction. Suddenly, a stroke of lightning pierced the black cloud and zinged downward like a fiery pitchfork flung at the earth. A tremendous crackle and booming followed as the thunder surrounded them with its echoes from the hills and ravines. The noise finally made the sheep pick up speed, but still... It seemed to take forever before they reached the crossing paths. Come with us, yelled Franzichek to Johnny. Johnny shook his head. He was anxious to get the sheep safely back to the Searsons. An icy slinging struck at Anna's face and arms. Hail, she shrieked. Come with us, repeated Franzichek. You've got to. Johnny stumbled stubborn. er, Johnny stubbornly shook his head again. Hurriedly, he separated out the sheep that were to go with him and prodded them off in a westerly direction. Hail continued to beat down on them, first the size of little peas, then growing as big as beans. It hurt as it pinged into Anna's face. She held up her hands to shield her eyes so she could see. The sheep did not like the hail either. The three lambs were bleeding and trying to hide under their mothers, who huddled close together and no longer tried to move away from the path. But that was the trouble. They did not want to move at all. Ow, ow, Anna cried out as several large pieces of hail pelted her head. She hadn't meant to cry, but the hail hurt so much she couldn't help it. Peering out from under her shaded eyes, she looked at the hail. Now it was the size of cherries. It's not the wolves we have to worry about, she thought. No wolves could come out in this weather. The hail continued to beat down on her, lashing every part of her body. Lightning zigzagged through the air and seemed to be all around them. Ahead of her and to the left, in a small ravine separating the fields of corn and oats, Anna saw a tall leafy tree. "'Let's go stand under that!' she shouted to Franzishek. "'No!' he screamed in answer. "'Worst! Lightning!' he tried to tell her something, but his words were blown away by the wind. Still, the hailstones pounded down harder than ever." One lamb was hit by so many it fell to the ground, stunned. Franzicek tried to pick it up, but it was hard to carry both the lamb and the gun. A second little lamb went down, and Anna hurried to it. She tried to cradle it in her arms, but the lamb was so heavy she could only take a few steps at a time before she had to stop and rest. Step by step, they moved forward. At this rate, it would take them a long time to reach home. Anna didn't know if she could make it. Her body throbbed from the beating of the hailstones, and her arms ached from trying to carry the lamb. Hey, I'm coming! Jacob's voice came faintly from the path ahead of them. Soon he came into view, struggling against the wind, with his arms full of old blankets. Quickly, he draped a blanket over Anna, and another over Franzacek, the lamb and the gun. He put a third over his own head, and picked up the other two lambs, one in each arm. "'Keep prodding the lead ewe! Run alongside her!' shouted Jacob to Anna. "'Got to keep them moving!' She picked up a stick and began to whip the ewe. Though she didn't want to hurt her, there was no other way to get the small flock moving faster so they could get to the safety of the barn. At last, the ewe broke into a trot, and Anna trotted alongside. Now the sheep were all moving quickly, and soon Anna could see Father up ahead coming around the barn.' To the house, he ordered Anna. He turned to Franzichek and took the lamb from his arms. You too. Leaning against each other, Anna and Franzichek stumbled toward the house. They were too tired to run. At the door, Mother was waiting for them. She breathed a prayer of relief, then hurried to help Anna out of her clothes. Franzichek fell into a chair and the gun clattered to the floor. His hands were trembling so hard he could no longer hold on to it. Soon they were both sitting next to the stove, bundled in warm quilts and sipping cups of hot milk. They still shivered and shook so much Pauline and Mary had to hold the cups for them. By the time Father and Jacob came in, the storm had passed. Hailstones covered the ground, but they were melting fast because the sun was already peeping out at the edge of the clouds as they moved to the east. Never saw anything come and go so fast, said Father, shaking his head. Are the lambs all right? "'asked Anna weakly. "'Yes, they're fine.' "'They started frisking around "'as soon as they were safe in the barn.' "'Jacob reassured her. "'Then he turned to Mother. "'You should have seen her. "'Trying to carry a lamb "'that weighs almost as much as she does, "'she wouldn't give up.' "'Mother could only cluck her tongue "'and wipe her eyes. "'Father and Jacob stayed in the house "'a few more moments, "'talking about the terrible storm "'and sharing in the gladness that it was over "'with no one hurt "'and their animals and grains safely tucked away. "'Then Father moved to the door.' Well, better get a move on. We have to get the threshing machine to Jezuski's place before dark. Poor fellow. After all that hail, he'll be lucky if there's anything left to thrush. But that evening they learned something surprising. Mr. Jezuski had lost hardly any wheat because the cloud of hail had passed behind his fields. Some of the shocks were toppled by the wind and a few had gotten wet, but most were all right. "'Isn't that the quirkiest thing?' said father after he returned from moving the threshing machine. "'Just a hundred yards away, the fields were covered with hail, but his grain was spared. "'He's a mighty happy man, I can tell you.' Johnny Olszewski had not been so lucky. One of the Searsons' lambs caught in the hailstorm had died. Anna found out about it the next day when she and Barney took the sheep out as usual. Mother didn't want her to go, but Anna insisted she felt fine. "'What are you going to do?' she asked Johnny when he told her about the dead lamb. "'Nothing I can do. I'll get one less lamb at the end, that's all.' He turned his face away so Anna and Barney could not see. He was ready to cry. Anna knew how he must feel. She would have felt terrible if one of their lambs had not survived the ordeal. She wanted to tell him that, but she didn't know how. So she just walked quietly beside him, thinking how strange it was that their lambs had come through the storm safely, while his had not. She could not understand why the lamb had died. Later, when she asked about it, mother only said, The ways of the Lord are mysterious indeed.